Aviva OMI is definitely a, a very slick, um, it's essentially a data-driven visualization layer that's gonna go on top of System Platform. So it's this visualization layer that sits on top of System Platform and it is, it's, in, it's wrapped in to System Platform 2017, okay? So uh, licensing wise, nothing's changed. So it, 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 it looks like it's essentially a new core component of System Platform, right? Hope so. It's all very easy to get to that point. Um, the reality is that most of us um, work with other things. And we see more and more IoT-enabled assets, IoT-enabled operations, enabled business systems. And if you have been in this industry for a while, you will you will have noticed that over the years, it was always a gradual step change to go to a newer technology. Um, however, the step change that is coming up now looks more exponential. Um, and, and it's definitely more exponential if you look at the um, amount of vendors that you see popping up left and right. This is all junk. <clears throat> all, everything so he said so far just confuses but people. Where, it's all junk. Where you can see that this uh, is starting to become a, a, a very big um, uh, change for our industry. And this is something that we want to uh, uh, play in and, and be a partner in your journey going forwards. Um, so that's where we also put our investments is basically in the cloud-based technology system platform and the majority of our products to enable them to be IoT ready and to be able to uh, talk to cloud-based systems. The organization have begun their digital transformation, I believe. Um, so there are a bunch of industry challenges that we all know about, uh, like rising costs. This is a good slide right here. Cybersecurity. This is a this is a meaningful slide right here. Companies. Um, then there are also technology trends on the right, which is cloud IoT and big data analytics. But in the middle, you will see um, your business imperatives. So, what you would like to achieve is things like operational efficiency, um, enterprise-wide visibility for enhanced decision support, agility in meeting and change requirements. Uh, in meeting change requirements and then operator productivity, of course. Um, if we looked at, at the Intel's operations management interface, um, we just recently had a release in January, which was called Update 3. But in total, we, we released now uh, four releases of 2017, which was uh, the original release 2017, which came out in June 2017. And then after that, we had three uh, more releases, which was Update 1, 2, and 3. Um, so total of four releases for 2017, and I can say um, by far um, the investments into this area were probably one of the largest that this company ever did. So, so the new technology is available to you is definitely something um, that was built from ground up and that is um, completely new. Um, importantly, of course, is it's not mandatory. You can, uh, if you have your existing installations on System Platform and uh, in touch to, um, uh, System Platform 2014 or older, uh, you can migrate into 2017 without using any of the new technologies. So the new technologies are, for the most part, uh, complementary, and you can use them. So in touch to mind something you can use. You know, you're not forced to use it by us. Um, uh, so. 
it's uh, whenever it would benefit you, you would use it. But when you use it, there will be a 90% reduction in time to develop for motor monitor, for example, um, very handy for things like control rooms, no scripting for navigation, and 100% coverage of any resolution or screen type. The reusable HMI engineering, uh, the multi-screen framework, <coughs> is really where the, where the content gets abstracted from the display. So if you, if you look at the... Uh, for example, if you look at a typical web browser and you go to a news site like, I don't know, CNN, for example, and you would... He could just save us some time by saying we're using web development principles for the UI. The layout <clears throat> of that particular site switches two or three times, and mostly three times. And so they, there is a portrait uh, layout, and there is a tablet layout. This is one of the biggest layout, deals, though, no scripting layout. for navigation. Most, in, in most web pages, you, you're providing three layouts with three form factors. What you don't want is the content to change. So this is also something that all my provides is it provides you layouts and those layouts you can use uh, arranging your content. So as you can see on these little um, um, paintings is that the content doesn't change, the layout does change per device. And this is something that we implemented in our uh, new visualization, which is InterSOMI, which makes it then easy to go from one to the other form factor. So the, the layouts really um, are, are, are this is a, a by itself I could talk a long time about this slide, but you can say it you can see it as this way. Your graphics on your system have a certain key. They have a certain metadata with them that that tells the graphic I'm of this type. I'm of the type overview. All right. So this layouts, this is the good info. The things and the layouts are of a certain type. This is edge so driven. Can, so this is host this is the self-aware SCADA component. That's what this is. So at that point, when you <clears> click on an object that has graphics associated with it, the system knows where to put these graphics because it might have a graphic on there that says overview and it knows it puts it in the overview pane. It has um, a graphic on there that basically says, I'm a faceplate. It goes in the faceplate pane. So these type of things automatically make the system detect what type of graphic are you trying to show and where does it go into the layout. This isn't this so isn't quite edge driven. Is then also handy this is abstraction layer driven. The so because then the system still knows. But it, where to put this it. is the important slide. Content. So all content in a system is tagged with a content type. Uh, panes with layouts consume one or more content types, and then plan travel model navigation. So this is not only model driven, but it can also handle. You're asking a question. question. So, so without you, yeah, like, a lot of effort what if the like, what oh, if the well, the data is meant for multiple types of content? It needs to go at X, Y, Z, at those coordinates, and no, you don't have to worry about that. You just make the second monitor a different content type, and whatever content type you have on the asset will go to that monitor. Um, so it's very easy to to then move. Uh, content around depending on the real estate that you have available. So that's really a paradigm shift, we believe, in HMI configuration because before you had InTouch for System Platform and you still have that, InTouch OMI will give you a, a native visualization method for System Platform which understands the System Platform model. <coughs> so if you're used to building System Platform projects and you have organized your models that way, now you don't have to to make a, an additional navigation model. It's already there um, because it was created as a system platform part. Um, Can you still hear me? 
Yeah, I can hear. Then okay, this cool. explains a little bit with these content types, how that works. So you have an orchestral object. There are three graphics on this object. They have a different content type, and you can set that up in your graphic. And then the system, when you click on that, it knows where to put these graphics. And the end result then is an autofill pane, which we have on the right. So it does seem like it's a very technical overview. It's a it's a big concept to explain in a couple of slides, but um, that's the main key about all my native multi-touch is built in. So this is really slick operation, of course, two finger operations and three fingers um, multi-touch. And um, so fully multi-touch. Um, we also added multi-touch in update three to interest access anywhere. So if you are accessing interest and using interest access anywhere to get to HTML5 uh, for the desktop uh, terminal server, you can use now also multi-touch um, and single sign on. So and uh, InterSolomai is integrated with um, um, the InterSaxes Anywhere software in update three. Then I wanted to take um, a little bit of time in my last slide to talk about architectures. We spent some time during the development of, of, of uh, 2017 to be able to um, uh, run more on one node. So on the left side, the, the, the most simplistic one is, is one box, and that could be a client or a server system. In client system, you wouldn't be able to run to 100K of I.O., but 225,000 I.O. can be a client. The development, <clears throat> the development time here is still significant. But if you need more than one client, um, um, on the orchestra objects and screens? You have more than yeah, because you still have the underlying orchestra architecture, but that's still all which is notes. still um, long time to value. Okay. So, so in, in significant in time case, to value. The biggest advantage of Orchestra is the ability to manage centrally and deploy um, a single object across a wide array of uh, applications. One machine with sixteen cores. Still trying to understand where. So say object-oriented development, like orchestra objects and, and then, custom objects PC, played um, together. It used to be within InTouch, you could drop an orchestra object and a, just bring a label onto a screen in the same window. But with this new layout, it looks to me like it's gonna require, with OMI, it's gonna require you use orchestra only. Or 10 million tags. So also you have to take I believe you are correct. It's the whole model-driven concept, so you need to have that Orchestra model to um, so 10 million tags or 100, uh, 1 million drive the navigation one, two to 400 nodes on land and then of course um, um, with multi I would like to point out to anyone from Aviva that's watching though that I did convince many, Walker uh, to join this webinar to give OMI and honest look so um, very scalable from small to large and because you you have an are still are a system platform fan new sensors coming in like IoT oh yeah yeah and IoT hubs you know and, uh, I have 20 years of development with system platforms starting with the original I mean within touch 7 7.5 so, over to Christian so and then we're gonna um, let me see change presenter okay so thank you Rob you're welcome Now you can all see. Knock. That's that. Yeah. <laughs> dude, they love showing that screen, dude. <laughs> That's got to be such an expensive. Like, imagine how much the screen costs, let alone the whole system, you know? Okay. 
So thanks, Rob. So I think the scalability is one what I want to start talking also to show the flexibility we have on on, on the scalability of these. I will it's say it's scalable. It's to, it's uh, definitely <laughs> right. Yeah, they're really driving that one home. It's um. It's a different part. It's a paradigm shift from your normal in touch screens. Oh, uh, no, no question. I mean, it's definitely going to be scalable. But also to manage the. But this, I can tell you right now that they're they're targeting existing Wonderware system platform users. Mm. This this isn't for the whole market. This is for the existing users. Definitely. Well, so the OMI portion is what expands capability beyond system platform, but you wouldn't have it if you didn't have system platform. That's right. If you don't have system platform, you're not using OMI. Right. But I don't think that necessarily negates a greenfield. That can be, uh, of course not. Can be but visible, uh, again, uh, it, it's pretty tough to make the argument why you should. Um, you should develop all the time. The yeah, the, consume the additional capex but, uh, to develop system platform over a platform like Ignition or Factory Studio, which now Ignition with eight and perspective gives you all this, literally gives you all this functionality already right out of the box with a shorter time to value and a better licensing model. And same thing with Factory Studio, it's all native mobile. I mean, what they're, what they're doing here is data-driven native mobile, that is, taking the orchestra object and driving the visualization with native mobile. That's what right. they're doing. So this is good for system platform users. I mean, if they're not going to walk away from the existing investment, for existing system platform users, this is a good step up. Because okay. it's going to be very, very, very low time to value for existing system platform users. Got it. So, what is the thing that takes the longest to develop the orchestra objects? Aren't they just similar to Ignition UDT? No. So, because of they use a level of inheritance in the orchestra object, so you have to use. Okay, we see your screen now. Thank you, Chrissy. The orchestra object is basically a template in Ignition. And so just to, the super just to tag is, so is the UDT. Is an important, uh, an important uh, topic where okay. we can mm, deploy uh, multi, big multi, uh, multi control. So it's just, big, uh, I mean, it's the same principles though. It's just, you're saying it just takes a little bit longer. Significantly longer to develop. Can be, uh, just focus on the role of the, the operator. Is it? Unless, unless you were going to use existing orchestra objects so you weren't going to build any new ones by, by the system platform. System platform like use the out-of-the-box ones uh, right i could see the graphics taking a long time but years. i'm just thinking and of like the to, tags to in the back end uh, all this information thanks to the i mean to me it would connectivity to the be similar to building an out of ignition i mean building out of ignition udt architecture and maybe a little longer well, no, because on the, uh, on the uh, connectivity standards like OPC UA. I mean, let's just say you have a, a decent ignition developer versus uh, a really quick, different type of like, or a, let's put it together, quick developer. ignition developer yeah. versus a quick. The new standards that we have in this in these devices and being able to deploy and also to get information from all these new type of devices. And that will enable us create different type of applications. Applications that go with some context to the desktop to mobile devices, 
as applications that can That's manage, a great question. Can be managed in control room, but also leverage on the cloud technology to enable uh, uh, this information to other type of users. That All right, so let me, I want to talk about the, so in Ignition, I can create a UDT, uh, a tag UDT, and I can, and, and I can inherit that a million times. Okay. We are, uh, we you can do, and, and you can do that easily. That I can basically user, say, create a new UDT of parent type uh, X, right? Uh, okay. That's on the tag side. That's on the data side. By cloud technology. In, in, in Wonderware and system platform, it's not that easy. It's actually much more complicated. And it's much more difficult to manage the, so the, you know, whatever elements that the parent UDT controls, it's much harder to manage those down to the instance layer. Yeah, much more difficult and much more difficult to manage. On the template side, you can build a template in Ignition from an existing graphic and edit it quickly here than you can in Orchestra, right? I mean, you can do it in Orchestra, but it's much, there, there are way more steps you have to go through and just being able to navigate to that object within the, within the UI is incredibly difficult. That's the stuff that adds to the time to value. Right. You got to go but back the to the galaxy. You got to go right ignition. You just right click the, the information from the fleet management system in order to provide the right information for a production planner, a production manager. To, system uh, platform wasn't developed uh, take their for developers. But for example, mm. we can also introduce other ignition types of engineers. engineers in this case. Yeah. Ignition, uh, ignition user, developed uh, inductive uh, automation uh, built ignition for developers. They, are, they made no assumptions about how the platform would be used. It's, it's very sensitive, for example, on that's what, that's what factory so studio and ignition have in common. That's why an ignition developer is going to kill a wonderware developer every day, all day long in terms of time to value. But this screen, this screen looks clean that's, though. If this screen is like more or less components out of the box, this would take you a minute to get it to look that clean in ignition. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Especially with especially with the limited components of perspective right now. My slide now. Yes. This is their whole digital twin. So So this is so let's 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 give let's give you know ignition that one that it you could get to market quicker but there's the whole other portion i mean the operations is just one piece of the uh, operation asset life cycle there's all those other components the design software the, you know all the different industry vertical specific softwares like oil and gas they have um, like real-time prediction engine for like ong prices across different buyers and they have a lot of stuff that plugs into their Inputs, software, software, software and, and, and only and only gets the user sixty to seventy percent of what they want. Mm. But in, in so user, then you've got to close the gap. Much more. So there's other I bet you there's a lot of people that have ignition and wonderware. Which, by the way, which, by the way, it's that gap that drove that in licensing costs is what drove the market for inductive automation. Plant engineering data. That hasn't changed. Uh, as well as the, right. the, the they needed 20 clients. It was going to cost them 80 grand. Like ERP, uh, I think there was like that one project that Steve was just like, that, that's it. Uh, 80 grand, I could build my own software. Like collaboration uh, tools uh, and planning and scheduling. But, but basically any kind of, of 
aspects that we can leverage to get more information, uh, make the right decisions. Uh, OMI introduces an app framework uh, for this where we have embedded in that layout and content management framework. This Flow, Flow developed an in-touch OMI app. concept of apps, which allows us to, instead of duplicating information, we can embed components and information and views out of the source systems seamlessly into OMI. I'm assuming this is a, so in a, way a that .NET SDK that they... The screen, but also drives <clears throat> it contextually. I don't know the exact flavor of the, the SDK. Of, of the user. And we're doing that for all the available software good services, but uh, we also want to bring in any other software service device uh, into this. Uh, so we can get um, uh, analytics charts, we can get uh, camera feeds, uh, collaboration tools like Slack, Teams, or, or whatever you're using, uh, mapping, geospatial services, uh, weather data, or, or whatnot. Basically, what is required in terms of information and controlled input for the user to conduct his work task. And the goal of this is to provide a context-driven and a task-oriented experience in order to reduce the stress, the non-value work and potential errors in, in operating the systems to kind of remove the walls that we have established between operational and information technology. Uh, and also to open up for a commercialization <laughs> of reviews. I love how you circled it. So, uh, we were Again, that means nothing. Now to drive that literally means nothing. Providing, uh, <laughs> uh, third party apps and tools into this framework. And we have some exciting <clears throat> ones in, in the pipeline. Uh, we also offer a digital exchange. Digital exchange. That's, we, this is what uh, uh, Saudi. This you, make all these uh, components available. So the digital exchange, it has information about uh, all the different solutions that we uh, provide and where we can provide value. Uh, it also has a big partner dictionary in terms of services, but also specifically for, for OMI and system platform, there's also here uh, apps uh, for the OMI app framework, uh, and as well as uh, easy access to uh, I wonder if they had a Canary Labs and, um, and, uh, OMI services that uh, could be applicable for building these kind of applications. And uh, this, this is in the early stages right now. And uh, with Update 3, we saw also an integration into the engineering tools. So you can actually access hey, I the show you something. exchange from, from yeah, the yeah. Uh, system platform developer tools. Uh, and that is something we expect to continue John. forward to add uh, <laughs> They typically, at least the shows that I've been to, they're really more so looking so at the um, chance, uh, top to view. Exchange.aviva.com or, or reach out to us to, to top view alarms, and, uh, which is it's pretty good. I, li so I like the digital exchange. I like this concept to, a lot. Uh, right. I figured you would because that's one of your four is like being able to go online and download the software, try it for free. Right. I like this concept a lot. So I have a small video here and uh, at the site level, this all my application integrates HMI data alongside KPIs from MES, as well as weather data from a cloud-based weather service since the weather conditions may affect the grade of the raw materials if not unloaded in time. It's also integrating geographical locations Map of the panel. delivery trucks here, either by integrating a fleet management system or by directly acquiring onboard sensory data from the trucks. 
all my can visualize the truck location. It's like open maps. Graphics <clears throat> and the standard OMI map application. So uh, you say they make assumptions about the, 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 the way that the data can be, should be consumed, but sure, look at production versus target. Right. Should and this allows the user to But for most manufacturers that maybe don't know what they're doing, maybe they maybe that d direction is needed. You know? it, it's not though. Because it was a good assumption initially. It was a good assumption initially, but they're not. They're not coming to you unless they already have a vision of, of what they need to digitally transform. Right. They already have spreadsheets. They're already doing this manually. Right. Guarantee, and in our experience, the way they're doing it manually doesn't line up to these objects that they assume you're going to want to use. That's why that's why software platforms like Aviva they always you know they always use like the the bottling plant example with the capper station and the filler station. And they always use the exact same example because that's how they see manufacturing working this is the problem with this is the problem with oe 1.0 proactive scenario right exactly increasing the operational efficiency while also reducing the stress and risk of mistakes There's a lot about this I like. I mean, if I'm working with system platform, you're stoked on this. I'm excited about this because there's no way I can get them to switch platforms to move to a unified interface that's that's data driven, right? With reactive visualizations, right? Now I've got an option. I've got an opportunity. So I'm definitely excited. If I'm okay. a they're answering your questions. Yes. Yes. Yeah, something has happened or something. Do you want to read and answer the questions? The second part is a comprehension. Yeah, so I asked, uh, can you tag data for multiple types of content? And, and, uh, and they said, yes, you can. There are around 25 predefined ones. And we believe there are like 50 user-defined types. But it can be a selection of multiple, uh, single, or none if you want manual content. So what it means is you can, you can tag an orchestra object for multiple types of content. Okay. Um, you come back to are these visualizations the with the OMI orchestra objects the only? And they said, no, what I these are orchestra so graphics OMI and they live in the graphic toolbox or on the object. So both are possible. With standardized so there's also a new method, which is a link. Uh, you can link a graphic to an object from the toolbox. Okay. Um, as we saw in the previous example, also embedding external. Oh, so it's more component based. That truck is right, exactly. And then, uh, are you supporting Spark Plug B? Um, features the OI servers do support MQTT, uh, but I'm not sure if it will support Spark Plug B. But uh, I'll have to pass that question on and get back to you. That so that's a that's a no. That's good. Maybe, promoting a but maybe they'll get back to us. Maybe us being here will have an influence on yeah. them supporting uh, Spark Plug B. I think that'd be a huge yeah. win. According to, to, uh, I, the the second practice. answer is a good one. Very good one. The fact that you can tag you can tag custom objects. You know what I was thinking? Now I'm thinking about it. I think their direction is like, they try to not steer you away from the orchestra graphics, but they're like, all right, well, if you have orchestra graphics, you can plug them in here, but there's really so much more, you know, the, the design has come a long way since then. So, you know, things are moving away from the PID type screens and kind of more of the situational awareness. At the perception level, we're exposed to a very wide range of data from all kinds of ask, ask if uh, OMI is part and of, fle uh, of Flex. Kind of mine that down to actionable information. So when I make my decision, it's based on, on something uh, good. 
uh, situational awareness uh, in general uh, is a design philosophy. Screen number three looks really clear. Kind of design we follow a strict process. So I, I put this slide here because I find it interesting that that this can also help you to reduce. Has risk that Schneider Electric feel to, to it though? Uh, uh, <clears throat> to, to drive uh, more user engagement in uh, in uh, defining the applications. So. Uh, with a design process like this, where we start off from a whiteboard, go to pen and paper, then to digital designs, and finally implementation in, in our software, we can make most of the decisions on early stages. So, so in this design process, we took about 90% of the decisions on whiteboard, uh, which just can be erased and redrawn very quickly. Uh, obviously, when we have a good idea, we try to take a photo of that so that we, we don't uh, erase it. Uh, but then a little bit more. Yeah, so it definitely runs on-prem. I'm not sure if it's part of the cloud solution or not, though. The system. Uh, most of the decisions I think it, are made. We have collected I think their goal is to have everything be a cloud option which means or a hybrid that, option. That we're pretty sure about the outcome and the success of the outcome when we start to uh, enlist the developers. Especially on enterprise levels, now. basically you're going to be managed from the cloud, pushed down to, to the, the risk and to develop something to that the site is level. success as a first attempt. Uh, with, with digital transformation, uh, you know, this turns out to be more a uh, uh, people transformation or people work uh, transformation. And it is certainly a user-centric transformation. And with OMI, we're trying to support this by going from this picture here where that user is exposed to a wide range of systems and he needs to translate information between different systems and mm. potentially being exposed to a lot of technical jargon. Yeah, this is, this uh, is a we're big We're trying to difference. convert that into a task-oriented experience instead where the focus is for the user to provide value-added work and let the computers take care of the background stuff. So coming back to the example we showed earlier here, uh, system can notify the user that the delivery is inbound. Uh, it exposes information which is relevant to this activity uh, brought together from different systems uh, to support the decisions by the user. Um, user can register that goods have received they're trying to make Whereby one basically interface to, uh, so you don't have to, to go to all these different the pieces of software. Or, um, I mean, in, in that regard, it's kind of like Ignition being platform-based. Sure you could have all of your layers in the stack in one interface. They're trying to go with that approach. You need to take a sample. And the user can register that sample. And again, that orchestration. It's amazing that, care of that we're only have we're we're only now having this discussion notification that the lab, with respect uh, to Wonderware when it's been a reality and, uh, with when that is ignition ready, since 2008. Back into the collection of systems. I mean, we take this uh, we take this for granted. User here is notified. Uh, this is a pre this type of architecture is a prerequisite for the types of solutions so we, we develop with Ignition or mm -hmm. Factory Studio. Right. Well, you are, le you are leading edge though. That, uh, I mean, OMI is just now bringing, I mean, and if, and if, and if the Aviva solutions are, if the Aviva solution, if Aviva is, is the, um, you know, if they're the measuring stick for where the majority of 
the market is, then the market caught up 11 years after the technology was ready. Well, what I will say though, is I think you'll start to see less system platform to ignition conversions. Remember those were really popular in the 2010s, like 2013, 14, 15. They still are. They still are. There's something like 40% of all new, new installs. Are replacements where to ignition to, uh, conversions? Request the ride and then take that because the the pricing still out of whack. Now, the Uber experience is very. I mean, I asked this question about pricing; they won't be able to give me a straight answer. You watch. It will not be a straight answer. When you when you go to inductive automation, if you went to them six months ago and said, "How much is it going to cost me to get me my platform?" They're going to go fifteen thousand dollars plus eighteen percent a year. End of discussion, uh, right? Payment right. Is um, by, by now it's $21,000 plus 18%, you know? So so I think right? one of the, so the I guess, the arguments for here, that level of pricing is so, so that way they could sell OMI to a small client who has maybe a few thousand tags at a different price than a big giant enterprise client that has millions of tags and it's the same piece of software. Whereas Ignition has only one price so they're somewhere in between the small, like they're charging too much for a small system. They don't just have one price. They have, they have scaled back versions. You know that you can get like, you know, one vision client license. That's true. But what do they market? But what do they market? One price for your server gets you everything. The unlimited version, right? Yeah. But are they going to tell us they have that? No, they won't. <laughs> So we can try to take that with us. They do have a version now with unlimited tags. Try to be as, as clever and nice as Uber, but... Uh, How much is it? Along the same principles um, here. I'm not exactly That's sure. I think it's... So we still Ignition's, say, is 20, Ignitions with perspective is 21,000. I'll, I'll have to get back to you. I think it might be in touch edge. Factory, factory, stu factory studios is 10,000. Look at that. I don't even work for them and I know those numbers. You know, you know, in touch edge so for this is line, i think a spin-off of, mix of the factory uh soft quality management system web studio through a consistently formatted that's what it used to be in touch machine edition well like they they rolled that product into their own brand label and uh, called it in touch machine edition now it's called in touch edge in so i i like using the data i like using the data driven navigation right because in Ignition, you would have to build that yourself. You would have to build your own database model. You would have to design it. Or you don't have to. What you can do is if you build your tags that way, you can have your tags drive your navigation. Right. But you would have to strip that. I, that is a great idea. That's one of the simplest. I mean, you can build a there's a simple web app and perspective that you can just kind of browse your tag structure and get down to the base values like pretty easily, you know, and it's all recursive browsing and when you change the structure of your tags, it changes the layout of your screen. Like that's, that's really cool. I like, cool. The, I like this visualization. This is, this is really what Factory Studio's strength is, is using using panes on a window to drive that, uh, other visualizations. So we can uh, I like this concept a lot. This is, uh, like this is something that stands out here uh, um, to me. Uh, guidelines for the right. Contextual navigation. Uh, used in this cell yeah. for, for some calibration tests. Much harder to do, do this type of thing but, in ignition. So you're on YouTube video coming from the, Ooh, the manufacturer. Dropping a YouTube video machine, on that. Sweet. Which uh, illustrates the correct procedures here to uh, refill material. And it's actually has the 
sound also coming through here. So I think that would be a great question. If yeah. you had a customer now so, so that, helps the that came to you with a large system platform system, if we switch to a maintenance role instead, would you uh, feel comfortable migrating? Like, like let's say cost is not an issue. Like let's say it's yeah. expensive, so but you know you're not necessarily cheap either. Um, do you lead them into OMI? Do you do you migrate them so and feel comfortable in that in doing so? OMI can also serve There's a whole a whole host of other questions that have to be answered well before I can answer that. No, number and one has to be the make and model of the pump. You know how um, you know a are they adopting Spark plug B? Number one. Um, okay. Something happened to yeah, my no, number number two. You know how big of a role will here. will uh, uh, protocols like uh, LWM2M, DMP3, and MQTT play in the future okay. Kiva's so, solutions. So um, the engineer can see that but, they make a model. But of the uh, what I can tell you is that the answer time. isn't uh, no right now. I can tell you that. I mean, okay. I'm impressed with what I've seen so far, uh, but I'm I'm in this case I'm cautiously impressed. So that the engineer can right. quickly gain access to details. Because since the mid 2000s, Wonderware has disappointed me time and time again. Right. So that's still fresh in your mind. Yeah, they had so much potential and they went the wrong direction. I think that was a lot in part due to the Advensis acquisition, which was then shortly followed by the uh, specifically toward um, the Schneider tasks, acquisition, uh, right? Servicing the the old Wonderware, uh, the old Wonderware the before they went public, or or even when they were public. So, so in 05, way, we have seen so, contextually integrated so in 2005, content, uh, 2004, 2005, which was when I made the pivot, by and which was just a couple of years after HMI, Steve Heckman said, forget it, I'm sick of dealing with these guys. Quality management, um, management, YouTube, that, and that, uh, they were, they were, they were, yeah, they were exploiting their customers. Finally, I mean, oh, back then, in 2004 and five. Yeah. The okay. They were exploiting. They were exploiting uh, their customers. My dad worked for them around '97 to 2001. Oh, in the '90s, the '90s was the height of. I mean, Wonderware in the '90s was ignition in the 2000s. Same. They were a disruptive technology. They were. They were rewriting the rule book. Do you remember the factory suite? Blank look into a uh -huh. database or, or with in touch, kind of uh, I think in batch, uh, historian trend. That, uh, my, my dad was kind of behind or the, people, the uh, product do, making of factory no, suite. The, the issue here is that yeah, they didn't call it historian though, they called it uh, uh, they they, the they created their own name, kind of for, right? You know? Which, which I hate when companies do that crap. I forget what the name was. I need to, to read the information like uh, what uh, was the tag, oh, um, what was the time stamp, right uh, additional metadata uh, uh, from the alarm list, then to kind of transfer that into a, a trend tool to uh, uh, find the, that specific process. I'm using the A6400 as my webcam. Been involved in this and <laughs> That's why it looks so good. And, and figure that out. And, and the, this has been working successfully for years, but, but uh, it, it doesn't really scale well. And with the amounts of data that we're, uh, that we're exposed to today, this be, is becoming more challenging. Uh, and also another fact is that we have been doing process optimization or machine optimization with tools like OE and downtime for, for so many years that, that the bottleneck is, is more becoming the human processes now. So, cool. so I'll show an example here uh, in a scenario where we're conducting a shift handover and gathering the, the leaving. <laughs> That's and, a great uh, question. 
and uh, starting shifts around the screen to analyze what happened throughout the previous shift. Transparent so pricing. We're using the OMI uh, here to look at. The so if the answer is no, then that means they're still uh, relying on their distributors, basically, OMI to what we call obfuscate mode. the pricing. We're now looking at his. Yeah, it means that they haven't really changed. The historian through the same user interface that the user. Uh, my, my next question is going to be where can I download this? Alarms are superimposed <laughs> on the payback timeline, which allows us to easily navigate to points of interest without actually reading or remembering what timestamp that was. How's New York? Enable playback as well so that we uh, rainy? put this into a kind yeah, of. You can tell I'm in the New York office, mode. obviously. Uh, and also fast <laughs> forward. So that, so that we don't where the desk is oriented, there's a bed directly behind me. <laughs> uh, pay this back through different speeds to I should put chairs uh, investigate or the back behavior there, of the that's process one of the, leading up to a specific uh, event of, of, of interest. Uh, and we can, of course, uh, put this into pause and. Um, and investigate a little bit more in detail, go to, uh, you know, navigate to different uh, asset or go deeper in the asset model to uh, to see different perspectives on, on the historical behavior. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for joining in this when webinar, done, though. we can just uh, yeah. toggle back to real time. I figured it was to, uh, more so time, time those, effective uh, than going to a full week of training. Uh, and all so, of is built so one of the things that I did, it's just a native you know, for everyone else, I wasn't, you know, we weren't really talking about it, but so the idea of being able to treat your visualization as a DVR, that's, that's what they were showing there with OMI. With the same user uh, interface so that you could go back and scroll back through periods of time, which is something we've been doing with Ignition for so that, that six or seven years. That concludes my, right. my demonstrations. Uh, um, ever since uh, the guys from Tamaki, Cody. Yeah, Tamaki, Tamaki so, Controls uh, are the ones that wrote the module that does that. It is nice having that be part of the platform, though, and out of the box. For the work task to the user, uh, and the, to help yes, it is. Let's say non-traditional data, like uh, IoT, like sensory data, uh, because then when you're tagging your objects, there's to, nothing, um, there's no indirection or kind of intermediary tag in order to accomplish the, the playback. It's just native to the platform. I mean, there's definitely arguments to both sides um, of... Uh, Context-driven navigation is uh, a huge boon in terms of engineering efficiency, but also allows us to build a very... You know, Task-oriented, completely open platform versus uh, one that is a, is a big game does stuff for you, but uh, like you said, makes assumptions about the way that you're going to consume the data. Uh, instructional videos, any kind of guidance and operational procedures, as well as providing playback uh, through the same user interface that you use in your daily work. Now, none of these things has really been impossible to do before, but what all my really delivers here is the ability to do this in a uh, cost yeah. efficient way. The engineering costs associated It would have cost tens of millions of dollars to develop what they just showed with in the previous system platform. By Rob earlier. So uh, while it was easier technically to, uh, possible. Agile approach to uh, yeah, right, right, right. Like it would have owning and maintaining not manageable. Also into, uh, and I, uh, I let in, in I don't know, I don't think the viewers and, will be able to hear what he's saying, but what's important here is he's, he's there are two things that he's really said that are really, actually three things that are important. Number one, visualizations are data-driven. We call that edge-driven. That is the object on the edge is driving the visualization itself, whether the visualization even exists or what lives on the screen, number one. Number two, uh, 
we have to stop relying on people so much. Part of digital transformation is making is making operators and supervisors and managers' jobs easier, not relying on them more heavily. Okay, because that becomes a hurdle to success when you're digitally transforming. And number three. You have to be agile in deploying solutions, so, which so he just that, said. So uh, I've completed, uh, I'll, I'll in hand back also and invite Christian and Rob to give any co closing comments. Or... Yeah, I'm, I'm recording the desktop audio on my computer on OBS so I can splice it together in post. Uh, thank you, Richard. Okay. Um, now we have about uh, there's 10 minutes be a better way for Q&A session. Uh, during the presentation, we have received uh, in real time some. Uh, I think this is a great way to create content. You know, if we jump into a serious link so webinar or an inductive Rob, webinar, we can just provide commentary and record it. And give uh, some answers to that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, some of the questions here are where. Um, is, um, where can we get a demo? Um, uh, demo application of what you just showed for Moran. Um, so that will Let's be see provided if the pricing uh, question. by depending on what the demo they needs won't. are exactly <laughs> provided by Ricard and, um, and Christian. Um, yeah, I will say that Wonderware California was, is starting to accept what like is online ordering and stuff. No driven, oh, object oh. driven, all my runs on prem alongside system platform, or is it a cloud solution? So. OMI is a, is a visualization product that goes with system platform. You get it with system platform. Um, it uses the same licensing as InTouch for system platform. Um, uh, actually, if you have today in uh, system platform with InTouch, and you would go from 2014 R2 to 2017, um, automatically for all the sessions you already have and all the client licenses you have, you also get an additional OMI license. So if you had 10 InTouch, um, uh, client licenses, you can also run now 10 additional all my clients when you upgrade to 2017. Um, and they can be on different stations. So you're entitled to run all my side by side within touch. You don't need additional licensing. Now, if you want more clients, then you need additional licensing. Um, there are two ways we offer our software. One is perpetual, which is where you size your system accordingly based on the uh, amount of IO that you have and you buy a license accordingly. There's also so ridiculous, model, which man. is unlimited, which is our so ridiculous. model. Which so is the answer is there's no way I would recommend uh, which, anyone use this. What is a annual fee? They're, um, they're three still year, using three-year, three year, five-year plan. They are still using um, ancient licensing practices. lower annual cost, and you have What no would you like to see them do? Software. You can use as many unlimited. as you want and as many Simple. Uh, I always unlimited tags, uh, unlimited so, IO, unlimited clients. And those are the two models we offer. How would that pricing and, model work uh, with in, a cloud-based solution? Each country, of course. Go SaaS. Um, in the cloud application, right, I mean unlimited. Like it, by SaaS by nature is scalable. You know, users. So like right now, I you know I I pay five ninety five a month for product X per user. Same concept. I can I can add and drop users as I want. So even if you had a million one user, but a million tags would cost the same as one user and a thousand tags. Yes. Okay. There is a publisher 
where you can because naturally a system with a million users uh, or a million so tags is going to have these tags more users and then uh, well what about uh you know office 365 here it doesn't matter who you are you're paying ten dollars uh, a month per user to, uh, you can create a million documents yeah, or I can create one. Everybody can have Dropbox a is similar that I'm paying one price per user, minimum of three users, but I get unlimited Dropbox storage. They just keep does it cost more money? Does it cost more money to develop? Does it cost more money to develop these solutions? as it does to develop Office 365? No. Are you going to have more people using Office 365 than using long-term, than using a solution like Aviva's OMI? No. I know we support operators. What Spark Plug in this context mean? I'm not the product manager for that part, but I can ask that question. That's actually a great model. Spark Plug B is... Is the, I think we, we need to, to uh, pass that for, forward also, but uh, reach out to us directly if you have our contact details or through your uh, uh, distributor or, or local contact, they will get hold of us and uh, we'll try to, uh, to figure that out. I, I can't say for sure myself. Yeah. And then are these visualizations with all my extra objects only? Um, they um, um, they are not orchestra objects. So so um, the OMI visualization uses orchestra graphics. So orchestra graphics is central. They're sitting on the screen the a lot. What are they talking about? So InTouch uses those. Um, OMI uses the same graphics. They're answering questions. Graphics. Oh, okay. The same graphics. No, no. I for the, the way the OBS worked, I had to plumb it into OBS. So OBS is recording it, but I can't hear it. Um, there was some conflict HTML5, between OBS and Zoom. Uh, graphics on HTML5. Um, the, the technology behind OMI is WPF for desktop, um, basically also using the same graphics. And then the cloud system, where we now also have graphics, they are fixed functions. Yeah, right I wish now, in Zoom already it, it, it was able to share the desktop here. sound. And then later this year, we'll add functionality to do do publish your own orchestra graphics to the cloud. Um, so out of a visualization perspective, it's all using the same graphic technology, which is orchestral graphics in this case. Um, and they can be tied to- How they don't know what Sparkplug B is, and they right? put so MQTT. Inside, See, this is an example of they, they took a graphic. Someone told them that they had MQTT support, okay? And this salesperson right-clicked on a logo. They Googled MQTT and they right-clicked on a, a logo that said MQTT IoT and dropped it in here. So then the consumer is watching this thinking, oh, they've got, they support MQTT. Well, no, they don't support it within an industrial capacity and, and certainly not um, in a best practices, uh, you know, within the can you a best data, in class. Uh, so what is the right. data um, is meant for multiple types of content? I think I have answered that one. Um, it can handle multiple types of content. If, if something Maybe we should go to uh, Aviva World UK match, next we'll week, in two match. weeks. Uh, uh, so uh, if you're sending content. Oh, no, it's next week. Yeah, it's the 14th. The 15th. We're going to be in Dallas, um, huh? Then the last one in here is uh, We're meeting Vikram published somewhere. So oh. pricing is with our distributors, of course. Sorry. Uh, they can provide pricing for the products. That's our channel. Um, that's how we go to market. Uh, Aviva doesn't go to market uh, uh, directly. Um, so the pricing is with our distributors in each country. Um, and I think that was 
all the questions. Nearly all those questions were from me. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> we have also some uh, questions from for, Did they answer the licensing uh, one? And, uh, yes. Christian. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, for example, uh, Intacho MI. Uh, the answer just wasn't what you wanted it to be, though. Cell phone? No, I mean, basically, the, the answer was it, so, it's our um, typical pricing model. Nothing, today, nothing's uh, changed about uh, pricing. Windows desktop application and uh, supported on uh, Windows 10 as well as on uh, uh, Windows Server for remote desktop services. And it is remote. What would you charge for a user? What would be a reasonable charge for a in touch? Devices. User, uh, such as phones or, or I think industrial-wise, uh, you're probably going to be looking at twenty dollars per uh, user across to, uh, the board. Uh, remote desktop app on the device or on a, through a web. But that can't that can't possibly server, include every uh, portion of the stack that Aviva offers. Like remote desktop services, absolutely that, can. Uh, comes, uh, I mean, that barely covers like the, the cloud storage for all the raw data. Uh, you know. We, we currently don't have a need I think you're wrong. for the mobile devices, but... Uh, How I much do you pay for your in our, your roadmap, uh, two terabyte Dropbox? We can serve content 25 a month. Devices and we can, uh, and it, but it's unlimited. It's unlimited. It, it starts out at three terabytes, but it scales uh, with me as I grow. Oh, uh, so it went to three terabytes? Our design of the yeah, so it's three terabytes base, so, uh, 25 like paid monthly or 20 uh, paid annually, uh, minimum three users, but you get unlimited. And they uh, allot you three terabytes up front, and then the as you grow, you can get more. Uh, we basically, which is kind of frustrating. You have to like kind of ask them for more, but it's not like they won't give it to you. So it does need to be managed. But I mean, so that alone right there shows, you know, I think like your basic in touch user could be like 10 bucks a month, but then something like Adobe where you got the full suite of Wonderware or you go a la carte. I think I don't see why you wouldn't pay. I mean, if you pay 200 bucks a month for software as a service for Salesforce, what's wrong with paying a $99 or you know, $200 a month for an operator's suite of software? If that also includes, let's uh, let's drop off of this and then let's kind of summarize what we. Okay, sounds good. Yep. All right. So in terms of what we, what we saw, okay. Um, Aviva OMI is definitely a, a very slick. Um, it's essentially a data-driven visualization layer that's going to go on top of system platform, right? right? That's basically what it is. So if you want to know what it is, it's just this visualization layer that sits on top of system platform. And it is, it's, in, it's wrapped in to system platform 2017. Okay. So uh, licensing wise, nothing's changed. So if it, it, it looks like it's essentially a new core component of system platform, right? Mm -hmm. right. Um, so what, it, what is OMI? OMI is a reactive mobile uh, visualization um, configuration layer that is data driven. So that is, so which is a good, it's a good thing, except it's not driven from the edge. It's driven from your orchestra graphics. It's driven from your objects within system platform. You drop a label on a screen. Um, you can use, uh, you know, any object that's mapped to that label can drive a visualization. Layouts 
they're basically using a pane structure on the windows and they're, and they're defining what belongs inside that pane. And then an object, an object that's in the hierarchy that has the tag that ties it to that pane ends up inside that pane. That's basically how it's, it works. Um, it's got some native, really cool native functionality that is, um, uh, it has the OMI is a, is a historical DVR. So that is when tied to the, the Wonderware historian, you can um, essentially what OMI will do is it identifies all of the tags that are driving the visualizations on the screen. And then with a scroll bar, you can slide back and forth through time and you can, and the visualization will update as if it looked when it ran through there in real time uh, previously. Cool functionality. Um, couple, uh, couple of concerns. Number one, um, I asked a very basic IIoT question about MQTT. That is, are you supporting Sparkplug B? The reason, so why does Sparkplug B matter? Sparkplug B matters because it means that you can use your edge devices that are publishing data over MQTT to structure your data model, right? That's really what Sparkplug B does. Sparkplug B allows the device on the edge to say, this is what I want the data to look like when it gets published into the, into the namespace, okay? So in order for you to have fully edge-driven IIoT applications, that is, I plug a new PLC in and all of the objects inside that PLC show up in a visualization somewhere without me doing anything. All I do is give the permission to publish to our broker. In order to be able to do that, you have to have a formatted payload. Now you could define your own, which means I could, I could construct my own specification on the edge and then I could write my own parser, right? But that isn't ideal. I mean, Sparkplug B exists for industrial data. It was written by the inventor of, of MQTT and, it, and it's managed by Eclipse. So that's kind of important. So that tells me that Aviva doesn't, or at least the people on that call don't really have an IIoT strategy, number one. Number two, again, no answer on the licensing piece. Nothing's changed in terms of how they're licensing their product. Uh, it looks beautiful. It has a ton of potential. But again, we have, there are some basic requirements in order for you to be an industry 4.0 platform. Um, Let's hear them again. And, uh, so n number, number one, you gotta, be, you gotta be wide open, open architecture, okay? Looks like for the most part, Aviva has opened up. Not entirely, but mostly they've opened up. So let's go ahead and give them credit for that one. Number two, you got to have simplified unlimited licensing. Okay. Unlimited tags, unlimited clients. It, it has to be that simple. Okay. Uh, they don't have that. Okay. N number three, you ha I have to be able to go online and download your software and test drive it without talking to anyone. Okay. Number that's, three. That's what the connect or the exchange is supposed to be. That's what the exchange, that's what the exchange is supposed to be. Okay. The problem is, is since OMI is wrapped into um, system platform and you can't just go to the exchange and download system platform, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to go and, and download add-ons for system platform. Um, so they're not, again, they haven't met all of the requirements. Is Aviva trending in the right direction? Yes. They're trending in the right direction. Am I impressed with the development of OMI? Yes. I'm impressed with the development of OMI. Am I going to recommend clients who have nothing to use system platform and OMI? No. Yeah. What was Am number four? What's that? Three is 
you got to be able to download it for is what's number four, the requirements. I'll have to go back and look. Um, so, completely, uh, o- completely open, transparent pricing, pricing. You can download yeah. it without trying gotta, anything. You gotta be download. Oh, you have to have an I, you have to have an IOT strategy. IOT strategy. Okay. So, um, and they, and it, and they don't, they, they don't seem to have an IOT strategy. So, um, we are, um, Am I going to recommend somebody who has a greenfield opportunity to use Aviva's platform? No, definitely not. Okay. There are better plat- there are better platforms out there, um, and even if Aviva gave it away for free, it still wouldn't be worth it. Okay. So but if you are develop, I would say if you are developing a in touch uh, system platform application, you're going to want to go in the route of OMI if you're developing it today. You're not going to want to develop a system platform old and legacy in touch. It would be very difficult for me to make the recommendation to an existing system platform customer now that OMI has come out. Now that OMI is here, it would be really hard for me to make the recommendation to an existing system platform user to migrate to a new platform. Right. Right. So that that's really and it and it does sound like that's the way they're going to market with OMI, is they're trying to stem the tide of people moving away from Aviva's solutions by giving by giving them these the path of upgrade. Right. And, and by going to Aviva Flex. So there are, there are solutions that Aviva is offering that meet some of our requirements. And Flex is definitely going to fall into that category. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at more and more of Aviva's offerings because I do believe that they've, they've, they are going in the right direction. I do believe that. Another one that they've recently released is called in studio, I believe. And it's basically a cloud IDE for, I believe system platform. Um, so maybe that wouldn't, you know, maybe you're not able to download the full, uh, local package, but maybe you can go to flex or flex is the cloud offering, but in studio, which is the cloud development environment and start developing. So maybe that's something that we'll look at. So, so what I would say is this, is that if you look at what Rockwell has done in the last, um, so let's, let's look at the big three. So the three companies that everyone complains about Siemens, Rockwell and Aviva now, and which is, which is, it's, it pains me to say that about Aviva and Wonderware because I was such a huge Wonderware fan in the nineties and in the early two thousands. Right. But they just, they lost their Schneider electric kind of took it the wrong direction. Right. They, they lost their way in the mid 2000s. And, 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 and there are consequences for losing your way, right? And one of those consequences was the development of ignition by inductive automation, right? Um, if, you know, if, if, if there wasn't a market for ignition for a, that type of platform, right? Open, scalable, unlimited license, simple licensing, community driven, you know, um, cross platform, if there wasn't a market, then you wouldn't have seen their unbelievably precipitative, precipitative growth. Okay. So, um, I mean, I mean, cause while they're good at marketing, they're not really all that good right. at sales. I mean, it's not like they're out there with 500, you know, people, they don't have a whole network. Right. Of distributors. They don't, I mean, it really organically grew that platform did. And that's because it was a vacuum in the market that the big boys didn't fill. So let's look at the big boys though. Aviva's Aviva OMI is a response to uh, Rockwell's merger with our uh, partnership with PTC. Okay. Because Rockwell moved ahead. And, and, and so OMI for a system platform 
is ThingWorks for Rockwell, okay? All right, so that, number one. And then the, the next one that we have to look at is we have to look at WinCCOA. So WinCCOA is the open architecture um, solution that Siemens just dropped that I believe, I personally believe is going to be a game changer. The, I'll, I'll make a comment because I have developed yeah. a production application using WinCCOA. I've been to the basic and advanced training. It is very much like Ignition and it's very fast. So you kind of get, I'd say it's from that perspective, it's like Ignition and Factory Studio combined, um, but everything is scripted. There's no drag and drop tagging. There is no right. kind of when easy they said script it was, When they said it was OA, they meant it's OA. It is, it's, it's, like, it's wide open and we're not giving you anything. You're gonna build everything from scratch. We're giving you the environment to do everything and talk to everything and aggregate everything and visualize everything. That's what they mean. So for small so applications, you, you're going to spend longer and it's a steep learning curve. That's right. So, so, if, so let's look at the five platforms that we think really matter. Okay. So you've got Aviva, you get you the uh, system platform. We're only going to talk about that offering. So that includes OMI now you've got Rockwell's factory talk view. Okay. Um, and the, and factory talk analytics, those combined together are going to give you your, what you have in system platform and OMI. And then let's talk about WinCC OA. Okay. You take those three and the reality is they're all pretty much on the same level, right? They're maybe halfway there to what we think is a bleeding edge, digitally transformative industry 4.0 platform. All of those are halfway there. OA is only, OA is only halfway there. Well, because time to value is very, very long. Uh, with OA. Got it. Right? So uh, um, then, then you've got the, at the top of the heap, if you're, I mean, it's very hard to make the argument that Ignition's not your platform. It's really, right. really difficult to make that argument. Um, except, except for maybe Factory Studio. That's right. Industry 4.0. And, and if you're an Industry 4.0 developer and you're going to be digitally transforming businesses, it is really, really hard to make the argument that Ignition's not your platform. The only other platform that comes even remotely close to inductive automation's ignition is Factory Studio. And once Factory Studio makes the, 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 the updates that they've got coming in the release schedule through the end of the summer, you're basically going to have two platforms that are exactly on the same level with one another. And, you're gonna be, and they're going to be interchangeable. The only difference is, is one's going to be much, much faster than the other. That's it. Awesome. So, um, That's a great little I, I review. So, so for the folks from Aviva, um, that was definitely encouraging. That way I, and I, I hope that, you know, my, these, these comments are just my, you know, my transparent, authentic remarks. So um, they, uh, this is encouraging. I, I really want to take a look at Flex. I really want to dig into the exchange a little deeper. And I want to, I'm going to talk to our local distributor here in Houston and, and see if there's any change to the pricing. Let, let me say this, Aviva, if you are listening, you have got to change your pricing model. Okay. Stop making the excuse that our distributors handle all the pricing. Okay. Get rid of your distributors. Go direct to market. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you this. Right. Um, go direct to market. Okay. Uh, Especially with cloud. You have got to simplify your pricing. 
You are, you cannot afford Aviva, you and, and Rockwell can't afford this either. You cannot afford to continue to go to market the way you're going to market on the, on the licensing side. Can't continue to do it. And you don't have to listen to me, but it doesn't mean, uh, but I'm right. I mean, <laughs> but you don't have to listen to me. I give you permission to not listen to me. <laughs> yeah, distributor uh, 4.0 is agnostic. That's exactly it. Distributor 4.0 is agnostic. We've made it clear. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, it's amazing how many painful conversations I've had with vendors and distributors and, and end users over the last three or four years. And, uh, but one of them really stands out. A couple of them really stands out, but there's one that stood out a conversation I had about two years ago, uh, for a connectivity company. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm not going to put them on blast just because we, uh, we have an NDA and so I'm not going to be, I can't say their name, but it's a connectivity company and everyone knows who they are. And a couple of years ago, uh, they, they introduced their MQTT support in their, in their solutions. And I had, I had had a conversation with them, uh, several conversations with them, uh, as, moving further and further up the product management chain about Sparkplug B. So, Hey, listen, you need to, you got to adopt Sparkplug B. We can't leverage the solutions without, you had using adopting an industrial um, specification for uh, your uh, payloads, and um, and they pushed back. They basically said, "Listen, we're not 100% opposed to it, but we're not gonna we're not gonna invest in it until the market demands it." And I said, "You're the experts. You're supposed to be. You're the experts. You're supposed to be leading leading here, not just necessarily responding to the market." And um, that, that's what entrepreneurs do entrepreneurs respond to the market. Okay. But once you're a leader in the space like Apple or Amazon or, or um, Microsoft, you, you lead the market, you create products. The market didn't know they wanted. All right. That's, that's the way it works. Right. Yeah. I just found out here. I just found out here in the last couple of weeks that in uh, those conversations were painful with them. They basically said, we're not going to adopt Sparkplug B till the market drives it. Well, I just found out here in the last couple of weeks, they told me, Hey, listen, we're, we're adopting Sparkplug B two years late. Did they, um, but it's better late than never. And any, did they offer any condolences? By the, by, the way, in, by the way, in that conversation, in the original, the last conversation I had with the product manager a couple of years ago, I said, listen, you're going to adopt Sparkplug B. Like yeah. I can guarantee this. I, I mean, here's something I can guarantee you're going to adopt it. But what's going to happen is you're allowing other connectivity companies out there who already have adopted Sparkplug B to, to get, get ahead start on you. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so, let's do a quick, uh, cause we never did it. Let's at the end of this podcast, let's recap, uh, last week's uh, CSIA conference. Sure. Um, all right. So, um, what did I think of CSIA, uh, last week, right? Last week. Um, the answer is, it was a great conference. Like it always is. Um, the, uh, in the keynote, the economist who speaks every year um, for the first time in many years has is warning the industry that we have an impending downturn um, globally. So uh, basically said, and, and in some markets that downturn is already here, South America, for example, um, uh, Southeast Asia, um, the downturn is already, um, you know, it basically categorizes economies in a, on an A to D scale, D being the worst, A being the best. Um, most of South America and Southeast Asia, those are D's. That is um, capital investment in 
industry is going to be declining significantly over the next 12 to 18 months. And so we need to be saving money. That's basically what they, he said to systems integrators. Number one, number two, um, the good news is, is that's next year in the 2020 show, we had a chance to talk to um, Jose Rivera and he, the, the theme of next year's show is going to be uh, digital transformation and IOT. That is how to build your business around um, uh, digital transformation and IOT. I'm a little disappointed that wasn't the theme of this show. Um, I do believe that we're, that the theme is three or four years late. What, what was the theme of this show? Uh, so it was like cutting costs, reducing pricing? Yeah, uh, no, it was uh, pricing. It was uh, it was cutting costs for your your um, customers. Okay. So it did it talk about around, transparent pricing? Are they he moving? talked about he he talked about the various types of pricing structures that systems integrators can use. But that was really the the theme of this show. Um, I would say the expo, this was probably the best expo and the best and the, and the most well attended expo. That is the, you know, the three hours when you can go talk to the distributors and um, vendors. Um, this was probably the best attended expo that I've seen at CSIA. Yeah. We shot a lot of great content. Um, couple of companies that really, really stand out that I thought um, had great showings. Number one, uh, Canary Labs, Canary Labs booth was, we never, we didn't even get to shoot content because it was just a huge line of people to talk to Canary Labs about their historian, number one. Um, Sorba, so the Sorba AI technology, that conversation we have with AJ was a um, outstanding, um, you, you know, keep your eyes on Sorba. They're, that, that platform is the real deal. Um, you know, just like we were saying about Wonder Logics a few years ago, and now everyone just seems to have woken up to it. Sorba is the same, same type of thing. Um, flow. That was the most, the most number of people I've ever seen, you know, standing to, to talk to flow software about their platform was at this show. So how much, do you th how much do you think of that has been influenced by our hat campaign? Like, like honestly, I, I, well, I, I mean, there's no question that we've opened people's eyes to the platform. I mean, there's no question that we've had an impact on broadening their, um, you know, broadening their profile in the space. Is it, is it measurable? I have no idea. I don't even know how we would measure it unless right. you to just interview people. Right. Um, or if we did like a affiliate link or something to get people to sign up for flow, kind of like some of the other affiliate programs we're signed up with, like right. wonder logics, seamless, I would say the highlight of the show for me though, was definitely the podcast with factory studio. Mm. Um, I thought that that, uh, I, I think that that's something Tatsoft needed to do a couple of years ago. Honestly, I think it, 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 I, I thought it was a, I, I mean, the response to the podcast has been exceptional. Um, I, I thought that that was, uh, for me, that was the highlight, the highlight of the show. Um, Obviously, Asheville, North Carolina is beautiful, and the Omni is just a, I mean, one of the great things about CSIA is we're always at an amazing venue. Um, they were amazing hosts. If you're ever going to take your wife, if you ever want to take your wife on, a, on an amazing, uh, you know, weekend getaway, the Omni in Asheville, North Carolina is where it's at. Uh, yeah. She will certainly leave that, she'll leave that weekend more in love with you than she was when she came in. So, um, 
I, there, the international contingent was huge. The, the largest number of people who ever traveled internationally to CSIA, I think it was more than 70 something, maybe 90 something people of the 500 or so that attended. So it was a great show, well worth it. Um, I'm definitely excited for next year. Um, and um, because I, I think it's gonna fundamentally change the membership. I think the, it's gonna change the way the membership looks at going to market and uh, what have you. What about you? What did you? I thought it was great, man. I thought it was uh, the CSIA, the, uh, the trade show was actually popping, you know, the uh, expo. Uh, I mean, we couldn't have even talked to everyone there, you know, plus of how crowded it was. The food was just amazing. Um, some other conferences, like they'll, they'll go ham, like on one lunch, but then the next lunch it'll be, um, and not calling any specific conference out, but like there'll be some, it's like, oh, now it's just like app or dwarves or something, you know, but like each each meal was like full, you know, like the pasta and uh, well, what's crazy. And what's crazy was only 500 people. I mean, think about that. We go to other conferences that are only four or 500 guests and, and they'll give you like a, a sandwich box. You know what I mean? Like right. these guys, this was, this was four star. I mean, it was, uh, you know, let me, I want to point something out real quick. Uh, one other thing, the Opto 22 talk. Yeah. The talk that I had with Benson. So not even the interview with Dan, but, Later on, after we shot that content, I talked to Benson for probably an hour and a half. And one of the things that I took away from that conversation is that Opto, while they've been doing a good job marketing their solution, they haven't done a good job of marketing it, marketing it directly to the integrator. Because there there's a whole host of functionality that lives inside the Groove Epic that integrators would lose their mind over. For example, the fact that you can write all of your logic in Python if you want to. One of the things that we never even pointed out was that he had a full IIoT solution on that table. He had a windmill that, that, that the Groove Epic would turn on only when energy prices were um, high enough to justify operating the mill, the, operating the turbine. Number yeah. two, he, he, had, he had an andon light that was indicating whether or not, I don't know, was it Amazon? Netflix, Netflix stock went up Net, or down. Netflix. It was indicating green means that Netflix is up for the day. Red means Netflix is down. Fully integrated, not through middleware, but through the Groove Epic. So there was no middleware. I mean, they was hitting the, the, the web services from the Groove Epic. So those are the types of things that, that they have not done a good job of marketing directly to SIs. Where, I mean, the truth is the Groove Epic can really be your, uh, your edge node, mm -hmm. your turnkey edge node. You said it was the perfect, perfect solution for your edge applications. That, I mean, it really is. I mean, with both a combination of process control and edge computing. I mean, it's, it's and so, I mean, I'm very excited to get the trainer in because I, I want to build a demo and and show it out, you know, show it off to the community. So, yeah. but anyway, I was pretty, you know, obviously Expo was really good. Our podcast was good. Um, well received. The Tats Off podcast was really well received, but also the podcast I was on, the CSIA podcast, was pretty well received on my channel. You know, a lot of people listen to that. They got to hear my backstory and hear my transformation. And I think a lot of people are like more so today than a year ago, people are starting to actually get like, hey, Zach is kind of onto something, you know, like let's start paying a little bit more attention to Zach and Walker and what they're doing and how they're 
actually having a, a huge impact um, on the industry. I think the big thing with you, we've talked about this before, is that, you know, it, it I think, um, you know, you've talked about being on the spectrum and, and having Asperger's and not picking up on social cues. I think too many people, um, I think, I think too many people hold that against you and they, and, and, and that piece makes them ignore the message. And I think now the message has been so loud, they can't ignore it anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so, like no way that, you know, like, give me an example. Um, you know, so for example, you know, you, you may post or say something that a lot of people would be like, man, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have said that. Um, you know, what was he thinking? Well, right. the reality is, is that when you don't, when you're the type of person who doesn't pick up social cues, you have Asperger's and you don't pick up on social cues, you don't, you think you're just being transparent and fair and people will, you know what I mean? That it's, it's, you know, like when you, um, when you did the Vertec video, right? Mm -hmm. When you, why I left Vertec, me personally, I had no problem with it because if I owned Vertec, I just would have replied in the, in the thread, right? So to me, as a personal person, I would have, I would have given my reply publicly and would have been okay with that. But most people would not be okay with that, mm -hmm. right? Most employers would be like, what the hell was this guy thinking, you know, and, and, and I think it's unfair to hold that against you. Well, I think it's funny because look at, uh, there was a guy who quit uh, VaynerMedia, been working, you know, for Gary Vaynerchuk at VaynerMedia, very successful agency, 800, 900 employees. He quit this week. The video has like, he's, you know, I quit VaynerMedia. You know, that's the thing content creators do when they quit and go out on their own. They make a, they make a, announcement you know they, they stake their claim gary even interviewed him and was like supporting him he's like we'll probably talk more now he's like i'll support you in doing that so i think this is the this is the difference but in everyone, between. But right, this is what's wrong with the system integration yeah. field people need to start exactly. getting with the times and that's why i'm like okay and i think you know the owner of um that company is still maybe a little bit upset about that because it's like there still seems to be some things like where he may be holding that against me and which sucks, but you know, at the same time, it's like, I kind of got to do, I mean, um, no innovation has gone without resistance, you know, and I'm sure you feel the sure. same way. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, my entire career has been, has been, I, I've forged ahead in my career. Um, and when people were always telling me that the way my approach is wrong. Um, but you know, the reality is, is that I, I've always believed that as long as you're value driven, values driven, I'm a values human being. I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a good human being. I contribute to my community. I don't exploit people. You know, I don't lie. I, you know, I'm a good human being. I may give you some bad news and I may say things you may not want to hear, but I care, I care whether or not I'm right. I don't care whether or not I'm liked. Yeah. At the end of the day, I want to know if you think I'm wrong, tell me. And I, and I think that's the way everyone should be. I think everyone should be, more focused on having the facts and the empirical data behind them than the fact that they hurt somebody's feelings. Right. And okay. I think that's I mean, makes you and I very similar at the end of, at the end of the day, if one of my people leaves in, in telecom integration or one of my other companies and they post on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, why they left. And well then it's a failure of leadership on my part. You know what I mean? Like I either hired the wrong person 
I didn't, I didn't foster them when they were here or I didn't create an environment where they felt like they could say that to my face before they left. Mm-hmm. Well, I did, I did say those things to, to him though, before I left. Um, it was more so wanting to clear the air of everyone internally within the company. Um, so that sure. way they, they all knew. And just also my audience, my, and also for myself, if I look back in five years, like what the hell was I thinking leaving Vertec, one of the best system integrators in the industry? Like, why would I do that's like leaving Google, you know, it's like, why would you do that? Well, you know, when you well, work they're, there definitely for not, they're definitely, they're definitely not group. They're definitely not Google. Um, okay. They, but are they an innovative company and do they have a lot, do they have the capability to be a leader in the industry? Yes, they do. Um, then there's no question about it. They have, um, and, and and there's a lot of companies out there. They're kind of like inductive. um, Yeah. What I would say, what I would say is this, is that, um, you know, being a trendsetter, being an innovator, um, being authentic. I mean, how many people are going to shoot this video? I mean, granted we're in one of our, we're in our New York office, but we have, you know, sleeping quarters for engineers. How many people are going to shoot this with a bed behind them? You know, and I'm wearing a, a, a Under Armour work T-shirt. Well, I mean, you know, the 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 audience, the community craves authenticity, authenticity and transparency. You have to ask yourself at the end of the day, as a leader, am I authentic? At the end of the day, am I transparent? And if the answer is no, then eventually you're going to get exposed. In this in this day and age, digital will be exposed. You will be exposed. Authenticity and transparency are a prerequisite for success in the digital age. Yeah. I got two things on that note. So what are you thinking of the, uh, you know, the new video edits? I think it's awesome. What's the, you, what, what's the new software you moved to? So, um, so I hired the, I hired my first video editor and he's a remote overseas from the Philippines. He's a really great guy, Christopher. Um, so the workflow that we're using is I'm uploading all the raw content into Dropbox and mm-hmm. that's organized by client and by project. Um, and then I have a Trello board with stages, backlog, in progress, ready for review, approved and posted. So, um, and that Trello board sends notifications to a corresponding Slack channel. So I create all the projects and I upload the videos and then he goes through and edits them, updating the status from the Trello board along the way, but he's using Adobe Premiere, I believe. Um, and he's doing a great job. He's even like a lot of the call outs, he's, you know, he's picking up those things himself, like picking up the important parts to call out. It's a little bit off, but I mean, it's only been his third day. Um, and so I think he's really doing a great job so far and helping me pump out a lot more volume of content. You know, automation month just kicked off which you were the anchor, the, the first episode I posted, I oh. repost, I posted us, our conversation at the CSIA on Monday on my channel. And then uh, today, or yeah, today is John Fedor, uh, ex Rockwell employee who now works at Seamless. So that's the whole Seamless uh, plug sponsor that we're doing for 4.0 solutions. And then I want to do another best in class product for each of the remaining 11 episodes. And then I also secure, yeah. So like, you know, I'm just kind of growing and and trying to scale the output, scale the impact. I I think that the, I think the quality of the content is, I mean, it was already good and I think it's just getting better. I Um, think that what's awesome. Ultimately, but ultimately at the end of the day, what matters is the value we're driving in the marketplace. Right. 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, are we helping to change the way people think? Are we giving, are we pointing people in the right direction? You know what I mean? Are we having a positive impact on the community at large? You know, because at, at the end of the day, it's about helping to save and create middle-class jobs. Right. And for me, that's why I went to the, the Philippines was because that means something to me is, you know, Mary's half Filipino, you know, my mother-in-law, she's from the Philippines. So I'm actually creating a, a middle-class job there in the Philippines. And, you know, he loves video editing. He's like anything video editing I love. He also builds websites and stuff, but he's been a great addition to the team so far. I hope that it continues to work out. And I really love the Dropbox workflow, how I shared you the link and you provided comments. It was pretty slick, man. I like that. I like that a lot because I can basically, when it gets to the point in the video, I can just click, put the comment in. You've already got the timestamp, the whole deal. Um, What about, uh, is he working full time? I mean, is he? Yeah. So, well, the way I did it is um, um, I'm paying a full time video editing salary for the Philippines, um, which is very affordable. And then I'm also paying him a production bonus per minute of edited video. Um, one, uh, so podcasts are actually just a flat bonus nice, because of nice. how long they are and they don't require that much editing. Um, but then like the highly edited ones with the call outs and everything, I'm doing a production bonus per minute of edited video. And I'm not even, he, like he was suggesting like, so like what time tracking software do you want to use? I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm just more focused on the output. So, and you know, you have as many videos as you want to edit and you have the production bonus. So, you know, as long as we're, he's been pumping out a consistent video every day. So I'm pretty pleased with that. You know, slick. Awesome, dude. All right, man. Hey, thanks for joining, man. My pleasure, dude. Um, Hey, we need to, we need to shoot some new content. So we need to get together and whether you come out here and we shoot it or whether you just, what about in Dallas next? What about in Dallas next week? Is it next week that we're doing it? Doing the thing? Yeah, yeah, it's Tuesday. Okay, let me, uh, then let me, uh, we're shooting the podcast with Vikram. Yeah. Okay, sweet. All right. We'll do it then. And, uh, all right, we'll see you.